Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here to bring you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, I am so excited about this episode because I absolutely adore the guest. Her name is Bonnie Hill. And this episode just felt like I was getting a giant hug. <laughs> Not only is she so kind and compassionate, but she is so wise and her leadership insights are so powerful. Well, Bonnie is a real class act. I mean, she's worked for presidents. She's served on countless big boards. Uh, she started her own company and she started from nothing. I mean, she you know, literally started out as an administrative assistant and uh, worked her way up the ladder to all the things that I just talked about. And I had the incredible opportunity of having Bonnie serve on our young board of directors where she was a great advisor and a great owner of our company. Well, she has an amazing story, and I'm so inspired by the way that she has really harnessed the hard things she's been through in life to unlock her full growth and potential. And I think even though your story might be different from Bonnie's, there's certainly so much that we can learn from how she has crafted her life and really used things that were difficult to see the success that she's experienced in her life. So I'm excited to dive into today's three more questions. Let's get going. Absolutely. Let's do it, Kula. Question number one. Like you said, I too am just blown away by Bonnie's story. Her father left the day she was born. Her mother became an alcoholic. She and her mother were on welfare for a number of years. And there were times where she and her mother were actually homeless, but she didn't let that hold her back or define her. David, you talk a lot about how you succeeded, not in spite of your upbringing, but because of it. What advice do you have for leaders who might not have been handed a silver spoon? Well, I think there's a lot you can learn from your upbringing. You can learn the power of having a tremendous work ethic, which I learned from my dad. You can learn the, the power of being a phenomenal coach, which I learned from my mother. You can learn the power of friendship, you know, which I learned from moving around uh, so, so many different times. But I think the biggest thing you have to realize when, when you go into business is, is, yeah, you know what? If you have a Harvard MBA and you came from a, a blue blood estate, okay, that's, that's great, and that might open a door for you. But once you're in that door, the only thing that matters is if you get results. And you know, I think that's what you got to keep front and center, is that people pay you to get results. You know, I, I didn't have an MBA, and everybody I worked with had an MBA, and I was a little bit insecure about that. But I'll tell you what, nobody worked harder than me, and I separated myself from those MBAs by the results that I got. And, you know, I was able to climb up the ladder, and people forgot that I didn't have an MBA. People forgot that I used to live in a trailer court and I lived in 23 states by the time I was in seventh grade. I mean, that was like no big deal to me. And, you know, after a while, it's something I used to talk about, you know, and how much I learned from that experience and that upbringing. But people forget where you come from once you start delivering results. And that's the key. And you should never, ever lose sight of that. That's so true. And Bonnie certainly did get results for all of the organizations that she was a part of. One thing that I think 
is so beautiful about Bonnie's story is I believe that her upbringing allowed her to have a deep sense of compassion for the people that she led. And I imagine that your upbringing, living in a trailer park and jumping around from state to state, allowed you to connect with the people that you led in a very unique way and in a way that a Harvard MBA might not have had. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. I think there are a lot of Harvard MBAs that I know that are fantastic people. A lot of MBAs I know have great empathy. You know, the real point that I think is so important is that when you get into business, people are paying you to produce. The way you usually get promoted is if you make your boss look good. They like you and they look for ways to help you move up the ladder. You know, if you're not getting results or helping people get results, you know, nothing's going to happen in your career. There's no free lunch once you go to work. That's just the way how it is. Question number two. Bonnie has three decades worth of experience serving on company boards, including Yum! Brands and Home Depot. Now, not every company is large enough to have a board, but I'm sure every leader listening to us has a friend or advisor they can run ideas by to get feedback. How would you recommend leaders take advantage of boards or advisors in this way to get the greatest learnings? And how did you do it when you had a board? Well, you know, Kula, you bring up a great point. You don't have to have a large company to have a group of advisors. A lot of my friends who run smaller companies have their own personal advisors. They have their own board, basically, that they create. It's not officially a board, but it's a group of people that they go to for advice. And I think the best way to use a board or your advisors is to use them to help you make decisions by leveraging their background and and their experience. For example, Yum Brands, if I had a financial issue I was really working on, guess who I talked to? I talked to Jamie Dimon, who's now the chairman and CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. If I had a brand issue that I was working on, guess who I talked to? One of the greatest brand builders of all time and helped build Target into the business it is today. I mean, he, he was fantastic. It, you know, So the point that I'm making is that I would use the specific expertise that my directors would have and use them to either help me in something that maybe I didn't know enough about or you know, make sure that their instincts basis, the data that we had was the same as mine. And, you know, that would help me really work through issues. So the thing to remember is that people love to give you advice. Even when you're coming up in business, know that one of the most powerful questions you can ask is, what would you do if you were me? And when you ask somebody that, they're going to let you know because they like to talk about the success that they've had and they like to share the learnings that they have. And it's kind of a flattering thing when somebody asks your opinion. And I've never gone into anybody's office or sought somebody out where they said, hey, I don't want to help you. You know, some are more open to doing it than others. But if you push hard enough, ultimately, they will help you get the information that you need. I love it. That's so true. I actually have a It's unofficial, but a board of advisors for my life. And I have told these four people that they're on the board of advisors for Kula Callahan and everything that she does. And like you, whenever I have a question that correlates to their area of expertise, I pick up the phone and they're more than happy to offer their feedback and advice. So I love that. And that's great, Cool. I think that having a personal board of directors is something that everybody should really consider. 
Well, it's certainly been helpful for me. And it's just fun to get other perspectives and feedback on things that you don't know as much about. Question number three, Bonnie had a powerful insight about how we should take care of ourselves. Let me play this clip and then I'll ask you a follow-up question about it. When you come from the kind of background I did, people try to define you and they tell you who you are and what you can do and how far you can go. That's kind of a natural thing. Oh, you can't do that because. And so I developed a theme that said, never let anyone else define you. And I did that when I was working at Mills College, when the students there would come to my office and sit around on the floor to just chat. And that's when I was a secretary. And they would ask questions like, who are the most important people in your life? And we as women tend to go through a thing where we say, oh, my husband, my children, and we never say ourselves. And I caught myself. And one day I said to them, no, let me start all over again. I'm the most important person in my life because if I want to take care of all of those I care about, I must first take care of me. And I can never let anyone else define who I am or define me. And you should never let anyone else do that as well. David, what are some of the ways that you've taken care of yourself over the years? And how has that impacted how you're then able to take care of your family and lead others? I loved all the companies that I worked in, but I didn't have blind loyalty. I knew that I was working for them and I was getting compensated to do a job for them. And I loved working in that company, but my loyalty was never blind. And Whenever I got to a point where I wasn't growing, I always said it was time for me to move on. It was time for me to find something else so that I could keep growing. You know, Wayne Calloway, who used to be the chairman of PepsiCo, had this saying, which I loved, which was, do it for the company, do it for yourself. You got to realize that it's got to be a win-win. You know, you want to do it for the company, but most of all, do it for yourself. And so that you get the satisfaction of knowing that you did a job well and that you helped move the ball forward and that you helped get the results that the company is achieving. And always know that in the end, you know, you got to look out for your own interests. And this is coming from a guy who was a big corporate guy, you know, and who loved the company he was in, ended up running the major company. And, you know, but I always respected the people that obviously they, they were team players and, and they wanted to do a good job for the team. But they also had this fierce pride and independence and they wanted to be acknowledged for what they did. And I tried to be a leader that would acknowledge them before they had to tell me about it, okay? But I think you want to have people and you want to be a person that is doing everything you can to grow your business and achieve the things that you want to achieve in your life. And that means you got to think about what you want, not just what the company wants. That's so true, David. You know, as a woman, and I feel like most of my other friends and colleagues who are women in business, it's harder for us, for whatever reason, to come out and say things like that and express our accomplishments and establish that we do have credentials. One thing that Bonnie said in the episode that I love is she said advice you would give to female leaders is always lead with your credentials uh, because nobody can argue that. And so I think, you know, something that I'm developing in is leaning more in my experience and the success that I've 
helped companies experience as opposed to shy away from those things because it is a way of taking care of myself and asserting my credibility and authority in the workplace. Absolutely cool. And, and you know, one of the things that research has proven is that men are much more likely to say, give me that big job. I can take it on if they don't have experience. And women are more likely to say, hey, I, I may not have everything it takes to do that job. You know, I remember a podcast we did with Jenny Rometty, you know, when she was being offered the top job at IBM, you know, she, she wanted to think about it for a while, you know, well, her husband said, what's there to think about? You know, you, you're, you're great at this, you know, this is something that you can do, go do it. And she realized that, you know, she was right. And she, she made the same observation I just mentioned a few seconds ago, you know, which is basically... Women have a tendency to to want to dot all the I's and cross all the T's before they take on a new job. But I'll tell you what, women are great leaders and they have all the capability, if not more, the capability to take on big jobs. In fact, if you look at the leadership characteristics that are required today more than ever, one is empathy and the other is the ability to collaborate. And guess what? Women are better at both those things than men. So, you know, uh, I see you there smiling and, you know, doing a championship cheer there, Kula. That's great, but it's a fact. Can't argue with the data. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. Thank you very much, Kula, and tune in Thursday for my conversation with professional golfer Justin Thomas, who hails from my hometown, Louisville, Kentucky, and just happens to be the winner of last year's PGA Championship. And this will air just prior to the 2023 PGA Championship. So it's perfect timing, as usual, from How Leaders Lead.